Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Rick Wirtz, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. That's a dad that prioritizes physical presence, is engaged emotionally, and leads spiritually by example. Uh, the vision is to engage dads in raising a godly generation by reinvigorating the church on the fathering front. The topic of this podcast series is Dad Standing in the Gap. Uh, we're initiating discussion around taking a stand in prayer against cultural pressures and against arguments and pretensions and even anxiety. But uh, before I introduce our guest, I'd uh, like to like you to know that Faithful Fathering exists to help you become the dad the next generation needs to see. I want to point you to our website, faithfulfathering.org, where you can click on the For Dads button uh, to see a history of vlogs and studies that uh, really complement these podcasts. And on, as always, we'll uh, keep this a very practical discussion that I pray blesses you on your journey as the man, husband, father you're called to be. In the studio with me today to uh, talk about Dad Standing in the Gap is a very special guest, uh, Mr. Mike Rosas. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rick. Honor to be here with you. Mike is a minister, an entrepreneur, a dear friend, and uh, leads uh, Discovery Marketing Group as well as one of his entrepreneurial uh, uh, enterprises. So, uh, Mike, it's a blessing to have you in the in the studio. Oh, Rick, thank you so much. The honor's all mine. Well, uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, just uh, remind us uh, who you are, what 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 makes you click, and uh, <laughs> you know. Well, it, Jesus makes me click. I'm passionate about his heart. Um, I think men play an integral part in what God wants to do on the earth today. And I think the world, uh, always doing the opposite of what God wants, is trying to take away that platform and position that men have been divinely given. And I think because of that, you see a lot of the chaos we see in the world today. And so I'm very passionate about serving ministries like Faithful Father and that empower men to be in their rightful position, not not above where they should be, neither below where they should be, but exactly where God has birthed them to be. And I think when you put things in God's order, it's crazy, things work. <laughs> and so I think the closer we can get back to the biblical understanding of intentionality, I think the healthier we can become as a community, as a nation. Sure, and uh, of course, right along those lines is the fact that he shares the moniker "Father" with yes. us as men uh, to be the father, to be his representative in the home, and that that puts a lot of pressure on us. That's yes. some responsibility, to to say the least. But it is, uh, as you say, it's position not a higher than it needs to be, but certainly not lower than it needs to be either. Men mm. need to step into that responsibility. One of the areas I know that uh, is very powerful, I, I was uh, struck by a, a statistic I read the other day that said, uh, you know, uh, while half of marriages fail and 76% uh, of second marriages end in divorce, hmm. less than 1% of those couples that pray together end in divorce. Wow. That's a powerful statement. <clears throat> have you, uh, what's your practice? Have you, have you practiced that as a couple in praying together or what is, how has prayer been a part of your life? Yes. Um, you know, I, I heard from a, a young age that lack of prayer shows pride. It shows that we think we can live life without God. And so for me, it's always a gut check. If I am praying, then I know that my heart is at least intentionally going in the right direction. 
But when we're not praying, I, I see things quickly unravel. And so for me and my wife, um, we try to pray together as much as we can. Uh, if we do pray together, it's multiple times throughout the day. And um, yeah, one of the things I love to do is when we're arguing, uh, my wife knows this is one of our rules is that we pray together. So the way is I can break our arguments is by asking her to pray because I'm usually the one that leads in prayer. Sure, pull the, good, pull the <laughs> yes. big gun out, right? Yes. <laughs> it's my way to kind of save the day. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've seen when we intentionally come before the Father together, our hearts are intertwined. Um, we understand each other better. There's a grace upon us to accomplish what we've been called to do that without prayer, we don't walk into that space. Mm-hmm. And so um, the busyness of life, and you know, I've heard you talk about being busy lots of times. Um, the busyness of life can really take us away from that space. And so if you're too busy for prayer, you're not doing it right. Why do you think, why, why does prayer carry that much power? What, what, what's, what's going on that, uh, that you would see? I mean, the numbers are actually uh, at 1 in 1,152 wow. <laughs> couples that pray together end in divorce. One in one, I mean, that's way less than 1%, right? It's 0.01, 0.001%. That's incredible. So isn't that amazing? So what, what's up with that? Why, if, if there is that much power, why isn't it an automatic? Because even, uh, even with that knowledge, less than 10% of those in church, couples that mm-hmm. attend church every week, practice prayer nightly together. Yeah, I think um, I've heard it said communication is the lifeblood of a relationship. And so a lot of times because of the lack of understanding uh, of what deity looks like. And um, I'm actually working on a book I hope to release soon. You've heard the saying, uh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, there's an aspect of that that I strongly agree with, uh, but there's an aspect that I strongly disagree with. And the fact being that in a relationship, I try to change my wife, Lydia, to look like Mike. And in our marriage, Lydia tries to change Mike to look like Lydia, right? That's natural human nature. Um, but you can't do that with deity. You can't turn God into being this lesser being that I am. And so what happens is that we take this relational aspect with God, that he's this you know jolly big man upstairs that if I just wink at him, it makes his day. And in reality, he's the king of the universe. He sits upon the throne. He deserves all my adoration, all my obeisance. And so although he does get excited like a father does, like I do when my two-year-old son Kairos comes to play with me, um, I, I understand it's way more important for me that I have that connection with God than it is for God to have that connection with me. And so I think a lot of times in this Western culture, we take this perspective that that God should be thrilled that I, I spent time with him today or that I did a devotion today. And we forget that he's deity. He's God. There's no one like him all the earth. And, and I, think, I, I think we can become so busy that we think, well, God's always going to be there because he's faithful. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And we forget that it's for our good mm-hmm. that he's there, not for his good. Yeah, he provides the quantity time. Right. So we control yes. the quality. That is 100% true. Uh, another aspect I found in, in my marriage is that, uh, yeah, I, I remember the reference to the court of three, Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. things, 412, that says you know, the court of three is not quickly broken. And that's always... Uh, that's popular in marriages to reference that mm-hmm. the you know two strands woven around the central strand, the central strand being Jesus the Christ. Yes. And in John one, we know that the the Word was was God, the Word was with God in the beginning, and then the Word became flesh. So mm-hmm. I I always think of prayer being you know, as we ground our our uh, 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 our prayer time in Scripture, we're incorporating the Word of God 
into the the weave uh, the the weave of the strand. That, you know, so that, that, and, and as you as you wrap yourself around the Word of God in prayer, then that cord is not going to be broken. Right? Yeah. So you you internalize the the Scripture, you personalize it in prayer, and then you. Uh, communion, communion, make it a communion yeah. as uh, as husband and wife pray together. I just uh, that always has been in my mind uh, how strong that cord of three really can be mm-hmm. if we uh, if we use it right. And, and I think it's very crucial because without the cord of Christ in the middle, the other two cords fall apart. Mm-hmm. I actually have a temporary ring currently, but I'm having a, a wedding ring that's made in its, its three cords um, because it's so important for me to be intentional. I have a never-ending to-do list. I have a lot going on. And if I don't have it in front of me, then I forget it. Mm-hmm. And so for me and my wife, it's become so important that we're making the investment, and it is an investment, to have that ring because I want to see it every day. I travel a lot. I travel all over America, a handful of other continents. It's easy to get caught between flights, between events, between all these things. And so I want something on my hand that reminds me of the truth that it's God that sustains our marriage. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously I have to do my part, but even on my best day, I can't do what he does. He, what he can do on his worst day. Absolutely. I always like to lean on him for sure. Uh, how about, uh, was there anyone praying for you, do you as you were growing up? You know, my uh, my parents were, were praying people, mm-hmm. which was a huge, huge blessing to me. My mom was very gracious in uh, praying for us every night before we went to bed. I've carried that on with my children. Um, and, you know, inside of our our nightly prayer times with my kids, I, I, I would say I declare probably about 20 to 25 scriptures over them. And wow. uh, I've gotten scriptures that are based over children, promise, covenants. And, uh, and I prayed over them. And it's gotten to the point where if I skip one or two verses, the kids will come and they'll correct me. They'll say, Daddy, you didn't say this. Now, I don't say chapter and verse, but they'll say, Daddy, you didn't say, uh, you know, that God protects us or that no weapon for shall prosper or whatever promise I forget. Mm-hmm. Because I've said it, you know, at this point, probably two, three hundred times to them. They are now memorizing the word of God and it's becoming a part of them. And so for me, it's this thing of walking out Christianity and Christ-likeness in the everyday. Because mm-hmm. if they only see it on Sunday, then it becomes like you know an NFL game. Sure. The, the only importance is for highlights. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's important that my children, they have my ceiling as their floor, and they are more successful from a biblical perspective. Um, if not, then I failed. Because it doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank or how many people know me, if the congregation God's given me in my house mm-hmm. doesn't follow after him. That's a great statement. Your ceiling is their floor to, mm-hmm. to launch them into a new level of relationship and that's uh, very powerful. Before we get on into the kids there, I, we, let's let's be sure the dads understand out there what are some practical steps that they, if, if, if their wife isn't receptive to prayer or if, if they're maybe not inclined, what, how, how can we, what are some tips you might give dads to say, hey, just talk about some highs and lows with your wife for the mm. day. How, what what tips would you give dads that have not prayed with their wives? Yeah, the first thing I would tell dads is it's always a discipline before it's a delight. It doesn't matter if it's healthy eating, going to the gym, or praying daily. It's always going to be hard at the beginning, but it becomes easier. Anything you do more than once becomes easier after. And so the idea is if you start, tomorrow will be easier. If you never start, tomorrow will always be harder. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I can show them after we just celebrated 
11 years of marriage uh, last Friday. And so, in a, thank you, in 11 years, um, seeing the grace that's on our marriage in seasons when we pray and the lack of it when we don't pray, mm. I would rather give you this principle than a million dollars. And I don't say that because I don't have a million dollars. Um, I, I say it because you cannot overvalue the importance of prayer in a marriage. Well, it is okay. literally what it's held us together in the thinnest of times, and it's what's kept us in love in the thickest of times. That's a great, great suggestion. And uh, to to emphasize it, just to back it up a little bit more, I, I want to encourage dads to, even if it's uh, you know, it isn't just talk about prayer concerns or mm-hmm. health problems or whatever. You lift up praises. Uh, yeah. Hey, we, we enjoyed today. What a great day it was. Let's lift up that praise. So talking about uh, the highs and lows of the day and then just just holding hands and praying together uh, is a good way to go. And uh, I, I mean, it's important because we are we're spiritual beings. And there's something about when we connect spiritually through prayer that it is revealed in our natural lives. Mm-hmm. And so... It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out prayer. It can be a 10, 15-second prayer, and it's a prayer of uh, the first thing we do is we do thanksgiving to God. Uh, we do thanksgiving for the day, and we do blessing over each other, and then we ask God for strength for tomorrow. Hmm. And so, you know, and it's not necessarily about you have to take these four steps, but if you don't know what to do, these are good four steps to start with. Right. And, and, and it's about, again, starting wherever you're at and becoming more and more comfortable and it'll strengthen your marriage and it'll energize your faith. Start where you are, use what you have and uh, do what you can. Amen. Now, when it comes to kids, I always think of the the time my daughter's in the back seat. we were going somewhere. She was maybe 11, 12 years old. And she, uh, she says, well, daddy, how do I know I'm going to meet the right young man? And I said, well, it's because I pray for you every day. (laughs) Yes. Young man that's growing in his walk with Christ will learn to love and care for you as Christ loves and cares for the church. And he's going to come into your life. And she, she just said, Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, thought that was a she was covered. You know? Right. And uh, so, uh, but I, I know that as we uh, talk to dads, we want to encourage them to obviously always, you're always praying over your children, mm-hmm. uh, but then you're praying with your children, and then you're teaching your children how to have their own prayer life. Yeah. How, have, how, have you, how have you nurtured that uh, in your family? So a large part uh, for that is we allow our children to make important decisions based off them hearing from God. Mm-hmm. And so we'll say, hey, we're praying about where to go on vacation. And we'll give them some options. And we'll say, hey, go pray and go talk to God and see where God wants you to go. Now, obviously, all three places are safe. All three places are good. But we'll let them make the final decision because mm-hmm. we want to train them to understand that God cares about vacations. He doesn't just care about you being perfect and not sinning. Um, from there, when we get hurt, when we're going through tough times, mm-hmm. we'll say, hey, will you pray for me? Mm-hmm. You know, And so by daddy asking them, who in their eyes is elevated, to pray for them, it shows vulnerability, but it also shows that their prayers count. Mm-hmm. And then something we've started practicing as of late is we'll pick one family member a day, and the whole family will pray for that one person, and then they'll all say a kind word of blessing over that person. And so uh, we're still practicing it. We haven't perfected it yet. I, I saw it off a gentleman named Thomas Blackwell. But, um, but it's, been, it's been great, and the kids are like, hey, Daddy, is it my turn tonight? And so when your kids are asking for prayer, you're doing something right. <laughs> I always like the story of the, uh, the uh, mom that had uh, four boys, and they were always in a hurry uh, prayer time, and they, they got a little bit frustrated. One night, the, 
the uh, youngest boy said, I want to pray tonight. Uh, she said, okay. And so they all get down there, and hands folded, and he says, I'm in, and he starts eating. <laughs> yes. She says, what do you mean I'm in? He says, well, you guys always pray so long, I just, then you say I'm in at the end, so I just let him know I'm in. <laughs> I thought, how perfect is that? You know, God, God wants to hear from us that we're in for sure. Yes. But at the, maybe he missed part of the part of the instruction there, but not that it matters. I've never heard that way. From the mouths of babes, uh, the, the children tell us how to pray, don't they? <laughs> yes. But uh, I think that's, uh, and, and finally, as, as you pray for your children, do they know what your prayer over them is? Have you ever shared that with them? Yeah, so, um, you know, kind of based off that, I, I do an extended prayer time every night, and I do it intentionally because I want them to know the Word of God. I believe what's kept me was at the age of 10, my dad challenged me. He said, I want to challenge you to read a chapter of the Bible a day. So I said, yeah, you know, my dad would always challenge me to clean my room, to be a good son, things of that sort. So when he challenged me to read the Bible, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And so from that day on, since the age of 10, I'm 38 now. Uh, the last 28 years, I've probably gone less than 30 times in the 24-hour period not reading the Bible because my dad challenged me at the age of 10. And so for me now, my daughters are 9, 5, and my son is 2. Um, we, we pray an extended time. And I tell them because God cares about quantity, right? Mm-hmm. He wants us to spend time with him. And then um, we address several things. We address uh, height. We address health. We address uh, studiousness. We address being excellent. We address serving. We address all these different things. Mm-hmm. So they see the whole gamut of how God's word is inspired, and it deals with every situation in their life. And so from there, we also um, we, we try to be very intentional about praying in all things. If it's good, we pray about it. If it's bad, we pray about it. If it's ice cream, we pray about it. And so we just have fun, and they understand that God is always listening and God always cares. Mm -hmm. And so I think if I can hand that off to them, that's the greatest legacy and inheritance I could ever give them. Absolutely. That's better than any kind of uh, 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 bank account or anything else like along those lines. It's the uh, spiritual investment Mm -hmm. that's key. So, so Dads, I I hope you've taken away some good tips here. One is to... Absolutely start, at least whatever it is, if it's a five, ten second prayer holding hands with your bride, that's a start. It will get easier from there. And then uh, developing that prayer life to honor and, and glorify the Father in your marriage and in your home. And uh, and then teaching your kids that letting them know that you're praying over them, but mm-hmm. then you're also praying with them. I love the, the idea of internalizing scripture, memorizing scripture, uh, that as being part of the prayer life. And then letting your kids know what to, uh, what you're praying for them is always uh, good to know, yeah. particularly when they get to the next stage of life where they're going off to college. And right. you might, might write that prayer out and let them know you're going to be continuing to pray for them. Yeah. And then you can check in with them on any specific prayer concerns that are going on. And then finally, you're helping them build their own personal relationship with Christ so that they can begin their prayer life uh, from that standpoint. So that it is about relationship with our Father. And uh, Mike, I sure appreciate your insight. And and dads, I hope you have some takeaways to uh, begin that prayer, to to be one of those, uh, that 1% that absolutely is going to survive what culture has to say about marriage. That is that you are a lifetime union under, under God with the three strands tightly woven and strong enough to hold against the storms of this world. So uh, dads, continue to to, uh, tune in to these podcasts, pick up those tips, and uh, begin that prayer life as we've discussed. That's the dad you're called to be, and that's the dad the next generation needs. God bless you.